Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Politics. Okay. Well, today's episode is going to deal with one week into the Biden administration and massive malfeasance has already occurred with the Democrats and with all the executive orders and the ramifications. But before I get into that and the segues that are going to encompass much of the show, I would like to say that Twitter has now started chirp, 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 bird watchers. People who like to tattle on others for their views posted on social media, platforms they disagree with. So now we're going to have basically, you know, people spying on one another, just, you know, kind of like uh, other regimes have done in the historical past, you know, and ratting people out and whatnot. And right now they'll probably do it with just the, the QAnon, the conspiracy people. But then I assume they'll extend it to the Trump supporters and later Christians. And I'll have to do a segment later on this. You are next. So that's what to look out for. Speaking of which, there's a bill sponsored by a Florida congresswoman. I think she's near Orlando. Um, I forget her name. Seeks to deny federal employment to anyone who has what they'll ask you on the application, conspiratorial views. So I, I assume the Russia Gate's going to be part of that. Uh, oh, wait, no. It's just for the QAnon supporters and maybe Trump supporters or conservatives in general. So they're basically going to ask about conspiratory, trying to weed them out of the federal government. And it's, um, who knows what's going to happen next folks in terms of employment. Maybe we'll be asking us all that in the private sector. Maybe Trump employees will be asked that question. I mean, anything is possible, right? So this, oh, are you a Christian? Do you oppose transgenderism? Have you voted for Trump? Do you support a, are you pro-life? Are you against same-sex marriage? There's going to be no end to this stuff, folks. This is just going to, as I've been saying, this is just the beginning. So it's very concerning and troubling, but not surprising. Another, speaking of Democratic bills, another one actually proposes waiving the ID requirement to even obtain an absentee ballot and makes mail-in voting permanent. Also, they want, on the same token, as a, another deviation of all their nonsense, they want to lower the voting age to 16. Great. We have 18-year-olds who can't even make up their mind right. They're not like the 18-year-olds from the World War II generation. No. These are 18-year-olds who basically have safe spaces, who have been told that they're the most important person in the whole world. And in essence, they're, you know, glorified, self-glorified. You know, we've had to raise everybody's self-esteem. You know, it reminds me, years ago, I saw some international test score results. This is back in the late 90s. Self-esteem movement was, you know, full-fledged, you know, popularity everywhere, right? I am somebody. Anyways, 
they had these international test scores. And of course, the United States finished much lower, even than Bosnia-Herzegovina at the time. And needless to say, America did finish number one in one category, self-esteem. So we feel good about ourselves, even though we're dumb. You know, it reminds me of the church in a much more serious sense, folks. Self-deceived. Thinking they're Christian, thinking they're all right, thinking everything's wonderful and peachy and keen with God. When in many cases, it's not. Hmm, interesting analogy. Yeah. So lowering the age to 16. <laughs> Great. It's, you know, because basically they've indoctrinated them since the age of three with transgenderism, with socialism, with communism, with everything's, you know, Bernie ideology, K through 12. So we don't even wait till they finish 12th grade. We'll just have them vote at 16 with what they've already learned. Critical race theory, everything else, the social justice. And they'll vote Democrat. After all, Generation Z already does, right? I mean, they're just totally gone. They're like 80% already in the Democratic camp. So what's what, why not make it 90, 100%? Uniformity. You must agree with all this or else. One party rule. And... Voting at age 16, I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, folks, but that is actually something that I believe will help foster that. Well, I'm going to continue on with the bills. Oh, before I do that, though, I must say the mail-in voting permanently after the last election. Oh, no. We're finished. After all, they'll just get Stacey Abram do a national campaign of mail-in voting. And who knows, you know, everybody will be voting. We'll have a 49 or 50 state um, landslide next time, you know, Biden, if he makes it the four years, or Harris when she runs again for him in 2024. And Republicans will never stand a chance. Just everybody mail-in vote. Just do mass dumping. You know, ballot harvesting. The whole works. Don't have to verify anything. Make fake names. So if you don't have to verify ID for the absentee ballot process, I mean, we're we're gone. After all, that would make it legitimate, right? If we were to verify identification, real simple, but Democrats have always opposed it. They don't like voter ID. They claim it's racist. Yes. Somehow, even though most black people and Hispanics have driver's license, just like white people, it's racist to tell them you have to show that for voting, even though everybody does it for everything else. I mean, there's like a, a laundry list of things we use our identification for, right? But no. All right. Now that I've covered that house cleaning, those items, there is a democratic bill, part of the COVID bill actually, would fund homeless hotels in San Francisco. You heard me right. Now, Tucker Carlson, to his credit over the last number of months, Locally, they are already doing such um, nonsense. And basically, they they had it to where as, you know, they had needles everywhere. People were using the bathroom all over the bed and all over the floor and creating a mess, which I don't even want to begin to describe more than that. I think you get the picture, folks. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. So this will make you want to definitely... As they say, the song goes, go to San Francisco. 
Yes, indeed. You want to go to San Francisco, folks. I'm telling you. And we're going to fund that as part of the COVID bill? Just enable people to just do whatever in a nice hotel room instead of, you know, no regulation over it, whatnot, and have them do their drugs at will? After all, you know, they got needle exchanges in many of these liberal towns, metropolitan cities like Portland and Seattle. And I imagine it's probably done on some pilot basis in California and other places, right? Just let them do the drugs. After all, they're going to do it anyway. Great. Enable something that's going to harm themselves and cause hopeless and helpless addiction in many cases, although it's never completely hopeless, right? Christ can save these people. But I'm talking from a human standpoint, it creates a trajectory. You know, they say breaking heroin addiction is like telling somebody not to live. I mean, it's it's extremely difficult to break off from some of these drugs. But that's okay. Just have them do it further. Have them wreck their life. Just make them do it. Don't have them get clean. Don't give them the gospel. Don't, you know, just further facilitate it by giving them more stuff. And then give them money to enable them to buy more drugs. And have them, you know, give them a shelter in a nice hotel so they can ruin that too. Instead of straightening them out first. That would be more optimal. Now, who else is... Breaking news alert, folks. The the Biden administration is trying to put in place an equity initiative, which really means equal outcomes. Socialism with a racial tint. That's what we need. Equal outcomes at every employment. What if you don't have enough black or Hispanic or Asian or Native American applicants? Or positions that are able to fill. What if the, you know, the qualifications are such that just by chance, a number of um, blacks and Hispanics either don't apply or just not qualified. Wait, wait, it's always racism. It's racism. It's racism. That's what we keep hearing, right? That's a bunch of bald faced nonsense in almost every case. I'm not saying there isn't any racism, but it's so diminished in 2021 America that Honestly, it's not worth talking about on a major level. Larry Elder said, look, folks, I know this is controversial. And he said this back in the early 90s, almost pretty much 30 years ago, as a black conservative and all, he got so much vitriol and hatred for it. He was the Uncle Tom of the year for the last 30 years, pretty much, that he said racism is no longer a major problem in America. Did you catch that? major problem. Didn't say it isn't a problem. Doesn't say it doesn't exist, but it's marginalized. It's like a dog on its leash for the most part. I mean, doesn't mean you're not going to have incidents. You're not going to have hate crimes. You're going to have things that happen in a country of 330 million people. There's going to be some ne'er-do-wells who are going to behave in such a way. There's no question. And by the way, racism crosses a number of all lines. It could be white versus black, which of course is the only kind that matters to, you know, the social justice warriors. It could be black versus white. It could be Hispanic versus Asian and so on and so forth. I mean, there's no, there's no end to it. You know, partiality is a sin. The book of James talk about that. It says, be partial to no one. The old Testament talks that you do not be partial in your judgments. You know, as Christians, you know, there is no Jew or Greek. 
there is no male or female, slave or free, or let's put it in today's vernacular, black or white, rich or poor. There is none of that. It is, we're all one in Christ Jesus. We don't identify ourselves by our race. I'm not a white Christian or a black Christian or a Hispanic Christian. I'm a Christian saved by the grace of God. And therefore, my race, which, by the way, is a human construct, it's not biblical, is it's pointless. It's irrelevant. It doesn't mean I don't exist. I don't see color. You don't see color. You see people different colors. Yes, I see people with different colors, different levels of melanin, but it makes no difference to me. And it shouldn't. You know, but they want to make it the issue. They want to subdivide us by, you know, racial categories and groups and whatnot and pigeonhole most white people into being guilty of racism and whatnot. You have to be anti-racist. And, you know, a lot of this stuff just isn't enough. So, yeah, it's crazy. Equity initiative, not equality, but equity. And really, I mean, how can you guarantee people different results, you know, the same results every time? You can't. People put in different efforts, levels of effort. There's different levels of talent. There's all sorts of mitigating factors to determine why people do. If this is the case, why is the NBA, you know, we as white person, I mean, I'm going to lobby for more white NBA players. I mean, my goodness. I mean, we need affirmative action for whites, Asians, and Hispanics and Native Americans in the NBA since it's like 88% last I heard, African-American. Wow. So it's almost 90% a black man's game. But because of that, I mean, nobody ever says it. I mean, can you imagine if we asked the black community this, they would laugh at us and say, well, you need to get more talent. You just can't play with us. You can't hang with us. Oh, I see. But when it comes to everything else, we have to make sure that everything is equal in terms of the demographics of the population of every, any given area. That's impossible. It's ridiculous and impossible. What if more blacks are overrepresented in nursing or as medical technicians or whatnot, but they're underrepresented in um, architecture or something like that? Does that mean the architecture firms are all racist? Not necessarily. Am I saying there is no racism? No. I'm saying that in, they automatically, the, the fault line with affirmative action and all these other things is this. They assume the negative of racism for the reason. The reason you don't have so many black people at this company is because they're racist. It never occurs to them to actually individually treat each company in each situation with the merits or the facts. And in most cases, they're going to find out it's not the case where it's racism. You know, in the places that where it is, I mean, yeah, take action. But, you know, this is, oh, we got Benghazi liar Susan Rice. She's the one who went on five television programs and lied about Benghazi. Now she's rolling out, did a press conference yesterday. I think she's domestic policy advisor. And she gave a press briefing on this thing about the equity initiative. So... Yeah. These are the things that are going on, folks. All right. I'm going to move on to what I call today the good news segment. And that's going to entail this. First of all, one, and hopefully there's going to be more of this, a Trump-appointed federal judge down in Texas responding to a lawsuit filed by the Texas Attorney General 
uh, blocked the deportation freeze that they Joe Biden, one of his uh, baseless and unconstitutional executive orders was trying to do, basically freeze all deportations of, of illegal immigrants. And in, in many cases, these are criminals, too. They're not just people across the border. They've committed crimes here. And there's, you know, some are violent criminals. The only exception is, I guess, for extreme terrorist, you know, like the Bin Ladens of the world. Other than that, if you've committed murder, armed robbery, as far as I know, or any other felony offense, you can stay. In fact, they, they put out an email saying stop all deportations. And like in the middle of the night, about, um, I want to say a week ago. Anyway, this judge and a good, thank goodness, they put a 14-day hold on that. And I think when they get more of a hearing on this, they're going to realize it's unconstitutional because it violates immigration law that exists. So how can he create an executive order that violates an existing law? But who knows? You know, it'd probably go out to the Supreme Court and be a 5-4 decision. It should be 9 nothing. It should be a no-brainer. But needless to say, at least we got a, a brief reprieve on this. So that was, I was like, whew, okay. Just one thing at a time. Also in the good news segment, Republican senators voted en masse against holding an impeachment trial for Donald Trump, strongly suggesting he will not ultimately be convicted. Even Joe Biden in a press thing said the other day, come on, man, Demo come on, Republicans. No, he didn't say that, but he did say it looks as though um, he did. Uh, 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 it looks as though they're not going to have the votes, but they're still going to go through with it anyway, because Democrats want to try and smear Trump any way they can. There is a censure proposal, but I'll get to that in maybe a moment. All right. The vote was 55-45 with five milquetoast Republicans voting for the impeachment trial, including one-time presidential candidate Mitt Romney, the self-righteous Mormon who thinks that basically that Trump is an ogre and he's mean and he does all these things. And he has an errant belief. He, he was the only Republican to vote for impeachment a year ago over the bogus Ukraine phone call that somehow there was some illegal arm twisting in that and manipulation and coercion, none of which were true. But it doesn't matter because this is the lie that they believe. So anyway, they voted 50 Republicans, the good news, 50 of them, including Mitch McConnell, cool and cocaine Mitch McConnell, 50 to 5, 55-45, that five of them, I'm sorry. 45 Republicans, get my words out right, folks. I appreciate your patience in advance. 45 Republicans voted against this monstrosity. Voted to not even hold the trial, to dismiss the charges outright. Rand Paul's motion, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky was brilliant. Because basically that's taking the pulse and temperature of this whole thing to begin with and showing where people are at. You got 45 Republicans who are saying, no way. We don't even want to hear this. This is unconstitutional. As I've outlined, you know, in a previous podcast or so, that the impeachment is for a sitting president. He's not a sitting president. Also, the chief justice doesn't want to be there. John Roberts is saying, no, I'm not showing up. So that in of itself could make it illegitimate, although they're trying to get Patrick Leahy to do it. But I must say he was entered in the hospital yesterday. So the status of that is kind of unknown. They, they wouldn't release his condition. So, so let's hope he's okay on a more serious note. 
But nevertheless, it shouldn't be held by Patrick Leahy or Kamala Harris or anybody else. It should be by the chief justice. And since he's not doing it, I mean, how can you have an impeachment trial? So, but the bigger thing is that Trump is no longer president. And it clearly the way impeachment was designed by our founding fathers was for a sitting office holder, presidents, vice presidents, officers, judges, you know, it's, it's not about somebody who's gone. I mean, after all, it's like Ted Cruz joked. I mean, why don't we impeach Clinton again, Bill Clinton and um, Obama better yet impeach Abraham Lincoln for not doing enough, you know, with uh, after slavery for re- during reconstruction or Andrew Jackson, Woodrow Wilson, George Washington for owning slaves. I mean, is there any end to their nonsense? No, I know Trump's more recent. I get it, but still. And we don't want him running again, but too bad. So, but Mitt Romney was one of them. Uh, Let's see, who voted for, you know, said, no, we got to bring this impeachment trial forward, which gives you a pretty much a pulse, like I said, of temperature where they're going to vote when the actual trial finishes pretty for the most part. I mean, they like to say they're even-handed, but most of these senators, they got their mind made up. Come on. Come on, man. So it's it's just unrealistic to think that, you know, they don't really have anything, you know, but their own self-righteous, self-interest, political motivations and all this. Like they're impartial jurors. Really? Give me a break. It is such a partisan exercise. It's ridiculous. I mean, these people couldn't even make the first 10 minutes of being sat on a jury. A defense lawyer for Trump would immediately have these folks dismissed. I mean, they're, they're so biased. So yeah, every Democrat voted for it. And, um, then needless to say, so that was a good measure, a good trial balloon measure on whether or not about dismissing the charges or not. So kudos once again to Rand Paul. And on that note, I would like to wrap up today's podcast by going to a scripture. First Samuel eight through 1 Samuel 31. And basically in those chapters, I know it's a long set of scripture, but and no, I don't expect everyone to read it all in one sitting, but unless you're very dedicated, but either way, it's a good thing to kind of study over about King Saul. John MacArthur did a great sermon analogy. Um, I got to look up the title of his message. And, um, he was saying he gave an analogy to Saul in, in, in a subtle way to um, President Joe Biden, and it was it was it was very. Um, Our king will not be mocked. Go check it out, everyone. Gty.org and listen to that sermon. And basically, in a nutshell, without giving too much away, is that you know Joe Biden like the negative appearance of Donald Trump and, you know, kind of an inverse, I guess they, they want to get rid of Trump so bad, you know, the mean, bad orange man. Uh, the Israelites wanted a King like other nations and they try to warn them, you know, Hey, you're going to get taxed more. You know, they're going to have first dibs on your sons, you know, going into, you know, serving in the, with the, you know, Israel in terms of going into war and whatnot. And, there's a lot of repercussions to it. I'm just scratching the surface here, folks. And they went ahead and did it anyway. They got someone who's tall, good looking, 
you know, Saul fit the, you know, outer appearance again, just like Joe Biden, a benign old man. And, you know, because the, you know, the mean personality of Trump and, you know, over tweeting and all this other stuff is just, you know, and him being, you know, a bull in a china shop and egotistical and braggadocious and all those. I, I, I get that. I'm not defending any of those behaviors, but they're more worried about that. You know, they'll compromise and say, OK, we're going to have abortion, transgenderism, you know, elimination of jobs through the Keystone Pipeline, you know, illegal immigration made legal among a host of other bad policies, the Green New Deal, you know, joining the Paris Climate Accord, energy policies where they dram, uh, they forbid all drilling on foreign lands. I'm sorry, federal lands. Get my words out. Not foreign. Scratch that. Scratch that. On, on federal lands. Needless to say, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, because Trump is mean, we have to support all this. But Joe, Joe Biden's a, a normal, not, nice, normal guy, except when he gets cranky with one reporter. Peter Ducey of Fox News asked him one hard question, asked him what he was discussed with Vladimir Putin on the phone. And he just said, we talked about you, man. So he told him. Like, and then the rest of the press loving sheep all laughed in unison. <laughs> they thought it was cute. Now, if Trump did that, you know, oh, you know, Trump... Once again, mistreating the media, oh, showing his contempt and scorn for tough questions. But, you know, Biden, all he gets is lolly, lolly pops and cotton candy questions. You know, what color, What what's his favorite ice cream and everything else? I'm not making it up. One time they did ask him that. Anyway, so this is the kind of shenanigans that are going on. So, yes, definitely 1 Samuel 8 through chapter 31. And John MacArthur, in one part of the sermon, says, be careful when you put your hand on the Bible. I'm paraphrasing. That was, and that was what he goes, because what you're signing up for. Don't put your hand on the Bible, he was saying, and rightly so. And then do everything that God hates in terms of abortion, transgenderism, same-sex marriage, everything else. Don't, you know, a host of uh, social ills, you know, critical race theory, the equity thing, as I mentioned earlier. Now, this is what Biden does. This is what Democrats do. It's about policy. And it's not because Trump was such a Christian person swearing on a Bible, but at least he protected the things that God doesn't, you know, that God loves, and he went against the things that God hates. At least in a general sense, he was doing the things that were right for America. And that's no denying that. Overall, I'm not saying he did everything perfectly in that regard, but it's far better than the alternative. At least he was never for the murder of unborn children. I mean, that should be number one for everyone is human life outside of, you know, spiritual salvation. Anyway, folks, it's been good. It's been real. We have spoken about politics and so much more. <laughs>